Good afternoon, and you're very welcome to Local Media This Week, the show where we talk about events going on in Clare, generally the Clare Echo, the Clare Champion, and this week we have the County Express to uh, take a look through as well. And that is where we're going to start. But before we do that, I'd like to uh, welcome our usual crew along, except Jim, Jim is on vacation for this week. Uh, so... Um, uh, we, we'd, we'd like to welcome uh, the, the the rest of the gang. Uh, John S. Kelly, good afternoon. Afternoon, Lou. Uh, Pat O'Brien, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Lou. And David Fleming, good afternoon. We'd like to wish Jim a lovely sunny holiday wherever he is. Indeed, <laughs> indeed, indeed. Well, now, now yeah, he, I, I'm go- look, he's sorry. engaged. He's engaged in, in uh, unfortunately um, commemorating his recently deceased uncle in Scotland. Okay. So uh, our, our sympathy goes okay, on. Yeah. Of course. Ab- 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 of course, yeah. Absolutely. Now, Pat, uh, you brought us in uh, the uh, the Clare County Express, which is uh, hot off the presses this week. And I should, before we get into the Express, I just want to say uh, it was a very good weekend uh, for East Clare on the sporting uh, fields last weekend. And uh, I think half of East Clare was down in Mallow. <laughs> and uh, two good results, we'll say, between uh, the Harty Cup yeah. and uh, the ladies of Scarif. Oh, yeah. And it's, it's great to see the coverage that both... Yeah. matches got and there's uh, in the three papers and there's loads of pictures everywhere and including in the Express and where we're going to start we're not talking about sport but we're talking about waste Pat yeah. back page yeah and um, the, the the county Express is a it is just a monthly paper and uh, it says 20,000 co- 20, copies covering um, all of County Clare monthly so we just said we'd, we'd, we'd do a couple of uh, items on it this, this, this week um, the back page on it is Food Waste by Anthony Woods. And it's, a, an, it's an article, it's a very good article on, on food waste. And there's some... some, um, some uh, statistics in it. Eye-opening yeah. statistics in it. Yeah. Yeah. In Ireland, we waste about a million tonnes of food each year, according to current best, best estimates. How in the name of heaven, uh, Pat, do we estimate or guesstimate that? How do we come to a figure? I, I don't really know, but I suppose the, 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 the you know when companies um, companies um, produce food or when they have food and they when they, they they sell so much of it and they plus the rest of it is waste in an awful lot of it. They have to get rid of it, John. So I I, I, I presume going to you know the Mr. Binman and all the rest of those uh, yeah. uh, you know like the Tesco's and Aldi and Lidl would have do contracts they, with waste disposal people. And do they also have contracts? I, I, I just have a, somewhere in the back of my mind, I seem to recall reading at some stage that some of the, the larger companies do have a relationship with charities. Oh, they do, yeah. So that food that is, Fo- you know, still edible. There's a, fun, there's, a, there's a company, there's a company, actually, my wife's niece is one of the head, head people in it, and she started, she started it with a, a friend of in Dublin. Yeah. And they, they, they take all the food. Uh, that's just coming up to date. Expiry. Expiry date. Before yeah. it expires. And yeah. they have uh, they have um, contracts with the, the, the big supermarkets and they they they, they collect it on them. and they collect it on, they get it collected and then they get it on to, they have apps and all the, and then yeah. the, the charity people come in yeah. and they say they, they, they need so much yeah. and it uh, is uh, sent out to the charities. I would, and yeah. it, it probably, I suppose they get some money from the, from the, um, the big supermarket chains, um, because the supermarket chains have to get rid of it anyway, so it's, got, it's yeah, going to cost It's, it's so in their money. interest, because it, 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 it reduces the yeah. their cost yeah. of their getting cost, rid yeah. of and, stuff. So. And look, are, are, you, are you conscious yourself as a, a, a citizen of 
waste food accumulating in your... Uh, I am, and I will admit to on occasions being guilty for uh, having stuff there and sort of you yeah. don't get around to eating it or you say, I'll eat it next week and yeah. then you forget about it. Yeah. You go to the chipper instead. Yeah. Oh. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I, when I was at, I hear, is this something now that, that might be of interest to you? I was in the clinic today with my cardiologist, okay, and he said, John, he said, you're, you're in great nick. I ran. <laughs> he said, but this is after I had, had a echo, <laughs> you know. But um, he said, do you know, he said, watch the sugar and watch the salt. He constantly preaches this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is more salt and less sugar. sugar. Constantly. Mm. I said, I'm going to bring that back to my colleagues this evening. Mm. Okay. So if any of you are interested in, in, in keeping kind of fit, there's his baseline for you. Good, well, good. good uh, I go to my doctor and he tells me, he tells me, he tells me to throw out the salt. Anyway. What do you do? <laughs> anyway, Pat. Pat is contributing <laughs> to that <laughs> food waste. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> give, 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 give us a few uh, facts and figures there, Pat. <laughs> uh, just go back in. Uh, uh, growing, processing and transporting fuel uses a huge amount of resources such as land, water, energy and fertilizer. If food is wasted, those resources those resources are wasted too. Globally, more than 25% of food produced is wasted. Food it waste is also a significant contributor to climate change. It is estimated that food waste generates about 8-10% of global greenhouse gas emissions. Reducing food waste is therefore an effective climate action. Could I interrupt there, Pat, just yeah. for one minute? Now, I'm going to throw a little bit of a spanner in the works here and sort of yeah. the, the combination between uh, we want it all easy ourselves and the sort of cost of transportation, all the rest of it. There used to be a time when, for argument's sake, strawberries were only available in the shop yeah. in July and August. Mm, correct. Now you can get them all year round. You Why? Because they're coming from all around the world, yeah. which is, they're being transported. You know, mm. I said, are, are we not just happy with, July and August anymore. Where and when Wimbledon is on. You and know. here's yeah. another one for you because you you mentioned a, a, a fruit that has a very short shelf life. Yes. Mm. Now my very good friend Tony Kenny up in Dublin uh, did his doctorate on aspects of the strawberry, and one of the objectives uh, in, in 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 his research was to create uh, some kind of a procedure by which, in fact, the shelf life of your strawberry or your raspberry could be prolonged because the loss was huge in, in the order of things, okay? And Johnny says, didn't we succeed? I said, you did, do you know? And, uh, and he said, you know how we did it? Radiation. Oh, yeah. Did you ever wonder why an apple, an eating apple, can maintain its structure and its solidity mm. Mm for extraordinary long, long time yeah. I never question it there you that, are Luke that's a whole other matter <laughs> <laughs> right Pat anything else sir I've just measured 125 to 160 billion pounds of food uh, that goes to waste every, every year much of it is perfectly edible and nutritious most waste um, at manufacturing and processing uh, facilities is generated while trimming off and portions and skin and all that kind of stuff now, we, uh, it says here, then I'll just go through. It's a good article for anyone to, to read if they're interested in it. Yeah. Any of our readers um, uh, feed the hungry. Good food should not go to waste, especially when there are millions without adequate food supplies all around the world. People are being forced to, uh, to 
conflict to flee their homes and livelihoods, displaced. They find themselves with no means of growing or buying food and facing the biggest threat, yet hunger. The scale of this problem is over 500 million people are facing hunger and conflict zones around the world. Globally, food deprivation still claims a child's life every three seconds. And nearly half of all deaths include in, in children under five are attributable to undernourishment. Under, yeah. Undernourished is a cause of around 45% of deaths among children under five. Well, I, I think Mr. Woods is getting <coughs> off his own point there when he goes into the into undernourishment because that's yeah. a totally different matter really like we're not suggesting that we provi- send our strawberries over there in order to r- reduce food production food <laughs> um, waste here yeah. it's a question of supply it's a question of market and there's other there's other factors but coming back to you know what can we do personally I, I'm a great I hate waste of any mm. type whether it's food or anything or time yeah um, and uh, e- e- even though in my household there is a fair bit but what happens is i have a compost heap yes i have too and that's where food waste goes now mm. of course it's hard to compost everything like meat now is is a thing that you're not advised to put into your compost so what do you do with that the dog yeah. dog gets that um but it's tricky i thought the <laughs> wife <laughs> <laughs> and we were going so Carry well Carrie, well. <laughs> i'm yeah. terribly but, sorry but, i couldn't resist it <laughs> but, but there is the brown bin there yeah, is yeah. the brown bin as well mm-hmm. and if you haven't got a brown bin why don't you get a brown yeah. bin because where is it going it'll go into the landfill otherwise uh, wh- where it's not going to be productive so if it's if it go as i understand it yeah. if it, if stuff goes into the brown bin it goes into the composting and that's reused okay right we've eno- enough spoken about waste for for uh, this week we'll try to move on but uh, pat uh, th- we, i wanted to start with a sort of a uh, an article that is on page two of the champion and owen ryan uh, has a very worrying headline Councillor losing sleep over road issue in Cratlow. Will you tell us about it? Oh, God. Um, Owen Ryan here has it on page two of the champion. A Clare County councillor told the general meeting of Shannon Municipal District there's an issue with a Cratlow road is keeping him awake at night. A what? An issue? An issue with a, with a road in Cratlow is keeping, he's keeping him awake at night. I, 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 is it the, the potholes? <laughs> is the car going over the potholes that might be waking him up, is it, or is it more serious? No, Fianna Fáil councillor Patrick Gorman is uh, literally losing sleep due to the proper to, to a poorly fitted manhole on the road outside his house. Ah. Uh-huh. So which I was nearly right. Were, which, indeed, yeah, <laughs> which yeah. is creating a racket when stuck by a vehicle. Yeah. Each impact is creating a noise and he has been it e- e- has been eating into his his nightly sleep, the Kretler man said the ma- the manner of the manhole cover was one of the three raised by Kretler or by Kretler's other county councillor PJ Ryan at the municipal district meeting. Mm. Do you know, do you think the council workers did it intentionally? <laughs> <laughs> um, I for God's sake, we, we caught him here again. Tom, uh, he, Tom Millers, he was, he was uh, addressing Tom Millers, who was the senior executive engineer. Tom, it's keeping me up all night. <laughs> and that's a fact. It's a bang, 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 because councillor Gorman. <laughs> 
trolley numbers at University Hospital of Limerick and I'm just going to uh, reference uh, the echo to start with I said uh, Park McMahon is writing widespread joy has been evident following the easing of COVID-9 restrictions but pressure remains on the region's main hospital with record numbers of patients on trolleys recorded on Wednesday is that a fact no it is yeah yeah, Clare TD Michael McNamara has called for an independent investigation into overcrowding, where a record 111 patients were on trolleys on Wednesday. How many? 111. 111. Okay. 111. Yeah, and just we said, uh, Parik uh, goes on about that, and I'll go on to the champion in, in a minute, but just uh, uh, the end of Parik's article there, he says that uh, the younger people of the, the county uh, enjoyed the restrictions being eased. Would you put yourself into that category, Luke? Uh, no, no. <laughs> and he said, um, it was like Freedom Day, NSDJ Trevor White said of the electric atmosphere at Queen's on Saturday night. Well, uh, and that goes into page four, uh, and, and there's photographs and uh, everything else of it. Hold on a minute, Luke. Yes. Uh, it was like, what kind of a day did you say? Freedom Day. Well, now, we, some months back... We were engaged here at this very table talking about uh, what used to happen come the 1st of February. That's right. When the dancers resumed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And our bold pat here <laughs> telling us it was like the, the, the sucky calf. Sucky calf <laughs> the sucky getting out, okay, onto the fresh ground. Do you remember that? Oh, uh, I remember uh, it well. And uh, only two nights ago on RT News, uh, a woman from Wexford or somewhere yeah. used the exact same, same analogy. She did. And yeah. I remembered you, Pat, and our conversation that night <laughs> as well. I, I think I, it's a great analogy. And, and going forward uh, for next year, we said you'll be able to celebrate it as a bank holiday, Pat, the 1st of February. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was uh, Easter. It was, uh, Easter Sunday. Oh, sorry, Easter Sunday. Sorry, sorry. Just after Lent. Yeah, yeah. You, you had Lent for six weeks and then you <laughs> were Easter Sunday. Oh, yeah. right, and you had the marquee then. I'll, that's tell, exactly. you, yeah. I'll I, tell you, the picture there on page four that you referred to, Luke, yeah. Um, there's certainly no social distancing going on. No. And, and if the priest was around, there'd be no space for the Holy Spirit anyway. Yes, indeed. Uh, 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 Trevor says, uh, you were nearly like a child on Christmas morning. It was exciting and I was really looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, he says, we got to go ahead on Friday evening. I was looking forward to getting back into it and seeing the place in full flight. By God, it was in full flight then on Saturday night. <laughs> so, well, fair, 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 fair play to them. It was fairly lively around here on Saturday. Night. Well, oh, I, I, I'm, told, I'm, told, I'm told it was. Yes, there was a lot of uh, uh, horns being beeped, I think, around <laughs> East Clare. We'll, we'll, we'll say in it. But anyway, listen, we will go um, from uh, the Echo to the Champion on page one. Dan Danaher is referring into it, and Taoiseach pledges to ask Health Minister for Hospital Inquiry. Now, this is a little bit like we've been here before. We well, have. well, you see, prior to the pandemic, it was it was trolleys was the big crisis. It was, and it's we've we've somehow kind of forgotten Will it. Will you tell co me COVID overtook what it? Is, what is the situation regarding trolleys then well, in Limerick? Does anybody there at is the table not, know? There, 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 it says here surging admissions. 
which resulted in 97 patients languishing on trolleys. So there's no bed for them in the hospital proper or they're only being treated or they're waiting for examination. I suppose some of them are released straight away. Yeah. Um, um, so, so it's the fact that there's so many, I think, appearing at accident emergencies, probably the real problem. It's a combination of lots of things. And I see Michael McNamara, um, Claire TD, said the new 96 unit, uh, bed unit, that there was yeah. a big song and dance about it in more recent times, you know, said this will be the, the saviour of everything. Yeah. It actually only delivers 48 additional beds as the remaining new beds are replacing existing ones. So there's no point in calling it a new 96-bed unit when it's actually... 48. Yeah, it's 48. You know, I get oh, t- I t- typical yeah. of... Uh, uh, of, uh, yeah. of the spin. T- yes, exa- yeah, yeah. exactly. And yeah. the Taoiseach said there's c- uh, capacity issues in the sale-to-group and in particular at UHL, which can't be solved overnight. Well, uh, sort of... Uh, <laughs> they could have said that 15 years ago. They could have yeah. said yeah. it 50 years yeah. ago. Yeah. There was trolley problems in, in, in Limerick. Uh, for the last 40 years. Yeah. yeah um, it, it's, it strikes me, and it goes back again to planning, uh, we probably, as our population expands, and particularly as, as we get to become an older population, we probably need more hospitals, full stop, yeah. rather than expanding existing ones. So, could this just bring you to reflect on the hospital in, in Ennis? Yeah. And, and yeah, exactly. And uh, to to identify places, I- including population. This is, goes back to what a point I made last week. I think when we were talking about the development plan, we need to be thinking about new towns, um, and and the designating of certain towns as much bigger metropolises with those sorts of hospital facilities, because we can't expect Limerick unless you keep expanding, keep building. And but they haven't got the space. This is why there's a big problem with the National Children's or the Children's Hospital and the space requirements and all of that. Yeah, <laughs> and a big hole in the ground, but that's another yeah. matter. Now, David, <laughs> I, I'm intrigued by your comment there that we need new towns and vi- yeah. we need new towns. Now, what about the villages we already have that don't have sewage? <laughs> well, exactly. Right? And, and that brings me on to the next topic I, I want to you uh, cover. You always get close to the storage question, don't yeah, you? Yeah, exactly. Well, sure. Uh, well, there, there is good news. I think uh, I see that there, there are going stopping uh, putting sewage out into the estuary, uh, the Shannon estuary. Yeah, down in Kilgore. In Kilgore. Kilgore. So that's good news. But uh, page one, Fiona McGarry, uh, our yeah. own uh, East Clare correspondent on the champion, concern over the impact of draft plan on rural Clare. And lads, we're in the rural side of things. So um, this affects us. And Fiona says, outside influence was described as a major threat to the vitality of rural Clare's meeting of a local authority committee this week. What do you mean by that? Well, uh, Rural Committee Chairperson, uh, Councillor Pat Hayes, said the public need to know that Clare has been, quote, dictated to by the Office of the Planning Regulator, the OPR. This That's in Dublin. These are these boys up in Dublin. Yeah. Come and, come and, you know, yeah. They only come down David's here. Friends. They only come here <laughs> once a year for a week to sort of enjoy yeah. themselves. <laughs> and But now, just listen to this. In a detailed presentation, senior planner Helen Quinn outlined a target of 4,500 new planning units are, uh, had been set by government over the lifetime of the new plan. So that's 4,500. The location of these houses is reflected in our settlement strategy, she explained. We are tasked with looking at areas for housing and have to identify lands for residential development which are capable of being serviced in the life cycle of the plan, which are being serviced. Bear that in mind. Yeah. Uh, Councillor Joe Colleen expressed complete disappointment at the focus of population growth on Ennis and the Limerick-Shannon metropolitan area. 
And he says, people will move into built-up areas and rural communities will not enjoy the same population they need to maintain rural life. Now, now how critical is that very sentence? I think it's very much so. Yeah. Uh, and uh, not just that, the, the, what the OPR are directing, but he says uh, there is talks of a land tax. And you see, David, this is the whole thing. That we've, uh, John, you've uh, been beating the drum for many a year in relation to no the numbers of villages around the county that don't have a proper sewage scheme. Indeed. And this, this is basically mean that it's not going to, they're not going to allow development to take place. So what's going to happen? Rural decline, yeah, and back into the towns and you know unprepared for but it. You, number one, you can't force people to live in p places they don't want to, and that's the first thing. Even yeah. in places like Scariff, where we have sewerage, there's yeah. no. I don't see much development going on. Very much little demand. Like, very little. Like where uh, is the demand? You, you could argue the demand is there, David, but no, it mightn't be there to sort of pay three or four hundred thousand for a house. But it could be there, yeah, you know. Yeah. There there's is, other... Uh, if you look at the actual uh, interest levels shown as evidenced by what houses are built and where, you notice that the building in the Scarf area is peripheral to the actual village itself. There's a limited amount of infilling. Mm. There mm. is an attempt now yeah. by the council to speak to that problem yeah. by the proposal for the Fecal Road. Yeah, oh, okay. but there is, there is space, uh, but it's Tuller. And why do people want Tuller? Because it's not far from Ennis. Yeah. Why do people want Shannon? It's neither far from Ennis nor from uh, Limerick. And they're legit. And Crusheen, there's a lot of building in Crusheen and the, yeah. the, but as but well, because they're nearly in a dollar. But David, yeah. the question could be asked, you said, why not Scarif or Tungrani, Mount Shannon or Whitegate? Aren't we on the shores of the lake? Yeah, and, oh, and yeah. beside Holy and Island. But, and going to have the but new when people are and the new bridge. <laughs> when people un unfortunately or fortunately, I don't know how people decide these things, but when people are thinking about commutes and the commutes yeah. to school and work, they're probably not thinking about uh, what a lovely place this place is. They're probably think more not? thinking. I, I think the vast majority of I people... I think the age, uh, the age profile would be interesting on that. It would, I it would. I yeah. vari variation. Yeah. Anyway, okay. I'll go... I'll go very uh, important point. I'll go on to page two of the champion, and uh, uh, Councillor Pat Burke said the situation was a wake-up call. And he says, quote, Unfortunately, until Irish water wakes up and see what, sees what is going on, we're looking at the demise of rural villages. There will be no building in places with no infrastructure. Our hands are tied because of the lack of investment by Irish water. Well, I can, Luke, can I come back to this point again? Yes. It is our councillors for <laughs> decades who failed to make the investment originally. Mm. That is why Irish Water had to be created, and that is also why the Office of no. Planning Regulation was also created, because David, our councillors made a mess of the zoning and, and, and the corruption that was there in terms of zoning in Dublin, not accusing anybody in Clare, but certainly the planning tribunals that we paid billions to to inquire into and to pay for exposed the cosy cartels that existed for and that's why we have an OPR dictating as as some councillors say they're trying to regulate it's the same with the MICA but to be fair to the councillors, I'd say they had to, they, you, you had to get the money from from, from central government to, to do the services, uh, you know, uh, well, uh, over well, the years. Pat, that goes back to your point you made very articulately last week, which was we don't, we haven't been prepared to pay for these services to Irish, mm. to pay our taxes to Irish Water to get the services done. Yeah, but, but why, why create Irish Water in the first place? But that's a whole political mm. debate that's sort of 10 years old. One of the reasons was the councils weren't doing it. 
tell but, me, but tell me, Luke has read out a, a number of sentences that are very, very, I think anyway, very, very significant. And that is, to what extent is central decision-making going to dictate and be allowed to dictate what happens in terms of settlement in our county? Not, isn't well, that the very thing? This is the whole thing that there are the yeah. lads are arguing yeah. about. Yeah, I, I see yeah. Councillor Shane Talty, who represents over on the west side of, of the county. Now, you think we have issues here, David? I, uh, this, this is a great line to be, right? Uh, Shane says, Spanish Point was highlighted in the presentation as, quote, a village growth area with major potential. And he says, fortunately, there are two hotels, a multi-million euro investment, he says. In most rural villages and towns, there isn't that. He also said he wasn't convinced account had been taken of the change to remote working. And IFA representative Dennis Toohey said, that Dennis is local to here, yes, two well. new houses for Ennis makes no difference. But in Whitegate, that could mean the survival of a community and an extra teacher, teacher for the school. Absolutely. And, and but there's nothing to stop anybody building two houses, I'd say. A house or two. I mean, that's a bit of a silly argument because what we you want is substantial development in a local area, as we have seen in Tulla, of substantial houses. That's what's going to keep the schools. Two houses won't keep a post office and a school going. So that is a futile argument. I, I wouldn't accept that. Well, Parikh McMahon uh, on page 12 of the Echo yeah, yeah, um, mm. has, uh, we say... I won't say a different variation on what, what's in the champion, but maybe a bit of additional information because the, this prospect of a, a land tax. Uh, and Helen Quinn revealed that a new aspect of the plan was the addition of a residential zoned land tax, which will apply to all land zoned residential or lands that can accommodate residential uh, use. The tax will become operational from February 21st, 2024, with revenue tasked with its collection. Now and who will get it? Well, sure not no, not a big... Uh, but sure, it'll be like everything, John. It'll be central funds. Yeah. Well, now, supposing, it but, but, uh, supposing, supposing this money actually goes into the council... Into the council uh, it says, uh, there's a quote there. Uh, Our guidance so far is anywhere where development could be facilitated is subject to tax, Miss Quinn said. Yeah. I think it's a local tax. I think it is too. Uh, it's, it's a second property tax. What's yeah. another word for property? Land. Yeah. They can't call it property tax, so they have to call it a land tax. So you potentially you can be paying two property taxes now. Uh, I, I don't know whether it's a good idea. I think it's it's the the out there people would say, oh, if you have land, you better be building it because don't we have an accommodation crisis? So that's it. Wait a minute. Now, that is if the, the land you have is zoned residential. residential. Okay. Exactly. And if okay. what, what's the story is, is if I've okay over on the Mills and I have a bit of ground and in the middle of the village and yeah. it's zoned. And there's no storage. Um, do you pay tax? Deal? That's a very good point, that, Pat. I, that, that's a good one. We'll have to put that to the um, to the, the to, to, to the thing. Yeah. Um, now, is the is the council being dictated to here? Well, I wonder. Well, chair of the SPC, uh, Councillor Pat Hayes, yeah. blamed quote outside interference for impacting on the progress of the plan. He acknowledged that council officials hadn't been furnished with the information as of yet on its impact, and he says all policies implemented at a national level are now impacting us at a local level. They need to be taken into account. Oh dear, I think you have to have some national direction. Um, yeah, the, what, yeah. what is unclear to me from the papers, now maybe it is the councillors themselves weren't articulating this properly in, in the meetings, but certainly the journalists haven't been able to. Wh what exactly 
is the is the OPR the 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 the, the regulator dictate? What are they saying? I think what, what is the what is this the national policy thing, David? And I think it's the, but, you know but what, what what is it that they want the council to do? Well, I think now the way that you'll find out is because you'll see it advertised again in the Champion <laughs> the Echo this week is you can go to uh, Killaloo uh, to the hotel for yeah. uh, a on presentation my. on the. Uh, county development plan and you alluded to it before it's now 10 volumes and there are two or three volumes of that are national strategy so that's yeah, yeah, uh, I said yeah. we're trying to educate ourselves in relation to it we are trying to educate that's where we need but to go listen I pay I pay two euro and thirty cent for the journalists to tell me a little bit for to mediate it for me that's why mm. we call it the media to mediate yeah. it yeah. so I'd like to know now I am going to make an effort to read the development plan so that we can ask the councillors and others, but uh, it would be <laughs> it would be handy for well, our councillors to actually articulate if they're making an argument in a meeting. But am I correct in saying that the the, the uh, executive authority in the council released the actual uh, reports before the councillors had an opportunity to study them and discuss them? Well, it's currently in draft status, John. So well, that's, that's, well I think know, that generally yeah, is the way how, how it Yeah, happens. it is. That's true. But, but is that necessarily the be better way to do it? Well, one could argue that there should perhaps be a certain level of consultation Indeed. before it does. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to be diplomatic. But anyway, the Killaloo Hotel and Spa, Wednesday, 2nd of February, David, 48 p.m. And, and if you can't make that, you can go to Tulla the Cultural Centre on Wednesday the 9th of February. Yeah. And they're the two ones that lo lo local to us. Right, I want to move on and before we finish uh, part one, because we're over time already nearly, direct provision, page seven of the Champion and page five of the Echo. What are um, you talking about? It's basically, uh, it's referring to uh, Liston Varna and it's the fees uh, and the accommodation that has been provided to uh, the centres uh, that would say the direct provision basically yes yeah, it says is it the only one in the county uh, you have Knocklesheen. Uh, that's that's still going. Uh, yeah, in Mealik, yeah. Yeah, in, in Mealik, you know, yeah. but... Um, that was built uh, purposely, wasn't it? Yeah. The Hungarian... Yeah. Um, yeah. If I so basically, think. page five of the Echo, uh, Gordon Deegan has an article there. It says, Operator of Liston Verna Direct Provision Centre receives 2.3 million in fees from the state in 2020. Now, what was he getting it for? Well, it, it's basically for putting up people. and it's, Did he uh, have to it, service it, them? It's the white firm, we'll say, that'll operate the King yeah. Tormund Hotel in Liston Verna. Yeah. You know, and, you know, uh, yeah. it says that they've received six over six million in payments since the hotel was opened in 2018 to accommodate asylum seekers. Three years. Yeah. So it's it's obviously because it can't. It, it, we're you're leasing it. It's a lease cost. It's presumably the cost of of keeping it up and running and lights and everything else. Oh, absolutely, yes, yes, yeah. and feeding food. and everything like that. Food, well, yeah. Yeah. food. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah. Oh. And, and says the centre is regarded as one of the better run across scores of direct provision yeah. centres used to accommodate asylum seekers. And uh, there were concerns previously about Liston Verna. It is a model now. So and from the, that point the, of view, the community got very much involved there, and they got all the the kids into the schools and the. They don't. They, they don't. They set up a lot of uh, different projects for them. 
And in fairness uh, to Marcus White, the then director of the hotel firm, he said if the townspeople didn't want the centre to proceed, he would honour that decision. And in response to that, the local community held a vote by secret ballot at a public meeting organised by Liston Varna Falcha. And in response to the question, do you want a direct provision centre in Liston Varna, 197 voted no, with 15 voted yes. Do, do you want it? No. No. No, no they didn't with, want it. With 15 voted yes. And then, however, James White and Coal Limited subsequently entered the contract with the Department of Justice Reception and Integration Area to operate a direct provision centre at the home for one year. Okay. So that's yeah. just the locals don't want it. Well, didn't want well, it at the time. Didn't didn't want but, it. But at the time. this raises a point which we might allude to in part two because John, you have mentioned this whole thing of plebiscite and yes. votes that were taken. Yes. We'll come back to that in part two. Okay. Right, uh, Pat. That's nearly enough for part one. We did, lads, we didn't even mention Shannon. <laughs> and in the Clare Champion yeah. there's, there's a lovely uh, brochure flyshannon.ie uh, you know and, and we'd advise you USA breaks cruise holidays city breaks camping sun holidays family holidays Pat uh, do you find anything there that you'd like to look of? Right yeah, there right there to Moscow There's lots of places you'd love to go Yeah uh, there's Lanzarote you can yeah. go to Port of Ventura yeah. Salou I, said, yeah. I, I have a bit of a grievance that says that the prices are just for two adults you know what if one yeah. adult wants to go on his own <laughs> that, 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 that's uh, my grievance no, yeah, which is per person, Luke, so I suppose you'll... Uh, per per no, the PPS, Pat. <laughs> per person sharing. <laughs> you know, oh, so, yes. You know, that could be the issue. If you, if you don't have anyone that wants to share, you yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, a fine brochure, and if people wanted to fly from Shannon, you know, they should, they should look into it if they're going on holidays. Because yeah, they're absolutely. Because support the, 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 the O'Gay Airport. Yeah. We, we talk an awful lot about sporting and so forth. In, indeed. No. Uh, a fine brochure there on it, anyway. Go back to sports, Pat. You have page 18 and 19 of the Champion Open yeah, there. Yeah, well, I just, I just mentioned here, uh, just yeah. a, uh, once the Magic Prince Cup to clear, there's a, a full page there on, on sport on page 18, and there's a fine uh, big picture there of the Scarif Camogie team. Scarif Camogie ladies, oh. and they are. And there's a, I'd say the last one must have been in Spain. There's a lot of nice brown, brown yeah. colour. <laughs> No, no, do you know what that is? That's from training over the winter in the frosty, in frosty nights. All right. And and we say on page. I thought, I thought they might be doing winter training out in out in Spain or in Portugal. Child. Yeah, they might have had a summer or winter camp. Would that be it? You know, then, uh, page nineteen then has the page nineteen the and the, and the healthy cup um, spirit at heart of Tullas healthy heroics heroics, uh, and you have a nice picture there of. Um, of Terence Fahey, who was the coach of the Tory team. Yeah. And uh, yeah, a few good. more pictures there of the, the players as well. So they yeah. have done very well. They have, they have, they have beaten St. Coleman's Fermoy and they have beaten Christian Brothers in Cork and De La Salle from Waterford and they're, and all, they're, big, they're all big colleges. They are. Yeah. And they're up against, they're up against a very, Ars very strong team Ars Ars Reach, in Arts yeah. Reach. So yeah. And I think Arts Reach have half a Clare, half Clare lads playing I think they have them as well. Four or five as well. Yeah. Yeah. Indeed. Uh, I just to express there as well you have uh, Scanlon's late Scorcher Sharks, the tips. That's just the hidden from it, and here's yeah. some more pictures. And then Super Saints go marching on to her pick up the side of, which yeah. was more on the toilet. Perfect. And I which think which, which, which leads us into Pat, the song that you've picked. Parig has some as well, but we, we haven't time to, to go to Parig's ones. Um, the media this week will we have, um, we have, we have Cliff Richard with congratulations to Scarifer Gunlock, Mogi, and St. Joseph's Toller on their. Uh, and our big visit the weekend. Perfect. We'll be back in three minutes. And we'll just say to Tura because we won't be on air before the next match. And uh, the best of luck to him in the final, which is on Saturday, the 6th of February. Yeah. Uh, against Carl Scholarish and Tazan in the Gaelic Grounds in Limerick. Perfect. <laughs>
Congratulations and celebrations When I tell everyone that you're in love with me Congratulations and jubilations I want the world to know I'm happy as can be Congratulations and jubilations I want the world to know I'm happy as can be I want the world to know I'm happy as can be Alright then, Cliff Richard uh making a few more royalties from the good people of East Clare there yeah. and uh, long may I continue now part two is where we normally come over to our own neck of the woods but uh, before we do there's one or two topics that we want to give a quick discussion to uh, a momentous day passed by in the last week or so and uh, 50 years in the EU yeah Brian Meany uh, he's uh, an article here on uh on page 11 of the County Express, and um, 50 years in Europe. On the 22nd of January, 50 years ago, in 1972, Major Melbourne and Patrick Henry signed the Treaty of Accession to the European Communities. In his column this month, uh, in this column this month, I would like to acknowledge the beginning of Ireland's transition from a small church-ridden, inward-looking country it had limped along for the last 50 years since its foundation. I must admit the accession, the accession treaty was also signed by the Dentishuk Jack Lynch. The signing of the treaty began the run in, 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 into a referendum in May at, of that year, where 86% of voters in Clare and 88% of voters in of Clare and South Galway voted to ratify the treaty of accession. That is of that. What is of note is also that another man, the strong clear links, President David Lera, voted no in the referendum, citing loss of sovereignty. Mm. My own view is that it was the Valera's influence that caused a lot of Ireland's economic woes. Ireland was the poor cousin of Europe and over dependence economically on Britain. For, the half, for, for, the, for half a century, our independence a period of which which don't included the isolation which was which what we as an island were forced to deal with during the second world war we simply hadn't any major exports to the rest of the world and depended largely on over influence of agri food sales to britain but uh, pat uh, well a few things strike me there uh, i'm not sure his historical analysis is all that accurate um, we're still reliant on Britain for most of our um, uh, ec economic... He, he, Britain is one of our largest partners and continued long after 1972 and still is, is what I'm saying. Uh, I'm not sure the, the joining the EU single market had any major impact on that, even though it has uh, ha it has kind of reorientated us a little bit, but not as much. Second, The second thing that struck me was... It's amazing that this has passed by without any major attention at national level, where you'd expect it. Mm -hmm. uh, did, did the president mark the, the, the occasion? Were there statements in the doll? I might have missed it. I probably did miss it. Mm. Uh, has, has a stamp been produced? Um, There's a stamp coming out at the moment. What is it for? A new stamp. 
I heard uh, plenty uh, of new stamps, John. I, 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 no, I'm not quite sure. But currently. Yeah, there is, but it's not the EU. I can tell you that. No. Um, that it might be because uh, there are other 100-year anniversaries being celebrated, and that's why we've missed this one. Yeah. Mm. But it seems odd that we haven't kind of acknowledged our 50 years in Europe. Uh, remember, two other countries, name them, John, two other countries joined the European Economic Community at that time. Denmark. And, and was it the UK? And the UK. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you and know, what we don't very often refer to is the reality. So I was, I, I was uh, in my 20s, when we joined the, the, I was in my 30s. I'd say you were in your 30s. Thirties, <laughs> And indeed, that, uh, there was no great welcome for Ireland. There was great difficulty, you know, getting into the EU. Well, the French did not want Britain no. in, and Britain saw Ireland as an adjunct. Absolutely. But, you know. Yeah. Well, I think it's fair to say that for a long time we got a fair amount out of it. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. so it, it's going on well. It's I think a, a, it is, you know. The farmers and, and there was a lot of markets opened up for, yeah. for yeah. everything. Ab absolutely. But we'll move on. I, yeah. I, I saw 86% of people, Pat, you, you referenced in Clare voted for it. And that's one thing just saw we we referred to a bit of a vote that took place in Liston Varn in part yeah. one and John um, the Puka got a bit of a, a, an online vote in recent times that we won't come back to but you wanted to re reference um, a story there just in relation to uh, Ennis Ennis and the voting of you know yeah, the idea of holding plebiscites yeah okay it's, it's becoming kind of popular um, they don't call them plebiscites. No, no. They call what? What? What do you call Surveys, them? I think. Surveys and consultations. And or surveys, cons yeah. yeah. Plebiscite is very 1930 and okay. Sudetenland. But in fact, it causes. It seems to cause trouble. A decision can be got, which splits the community. Now, whether we talk about Ennis Diamond and their Puka, uh, or whether you're talking about the corner, what do you call that? Lakes Corner. Lakes, Lakes Corner. corner. Lakes yeah. corner. Yeah. 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 Lakes Hell. Uh, or whether you talk about the p the big one, the pedestrianisation of yeah. Ennis. But now, of course, it's it, it depends on uh, the result, whoever is organising the plebiscite wants. Yeah, yeah. And, and of course, the great thing about surveys is they don't have to necessarily accept the results. I'll give you one good example from the 1970s. The Catholic Church in Mitchellstown County, Cork, a lovely 19th century building designed by the Payne brothers of Cork. Uh, uh, was in poor repair and the parish priest um, wanted to remove it and build a new church mm. and he held a parish plebiscite. Yes. The parishioners voted against the wishes of the clergy and wanted to keep the building mm. but he decided that the plebiscite wasn't valid because a significant number of people hadn't bothered to vote and if they had voted <laughs> they would have voted with his views <laughs> so the church was torn down. So, I mean, plebiscites are useful yeah. <laughs> for particular reasons yeah. and if things don't go your way uh, they can sometimes be ignored. Indeed. So, but I mean, we have to be careful. Like this is direct democracy. They do it well in Switzerland, yeah. uh, and and in uh, in California and other places. It's I, I'd be. It's good for the council to get views. Oh, absolutely. But then, if if in fact the the the, the uh, people find that they voted in a certain way, uh, and that the council does nothing to reflect that yeah, view. Yeah, it causes tension. Attention, and of course yeah. the value of it goes out of yeah. the door. Okay, right. We will move on because uh, time is pressing and yeah. we need to come back to our own neck of the woods. Indeed. And uh, I'm going to start at page six on the champion, yeah. uh, rather than our usual page 13. Uh, 
And uh, Dan Danaher has an article, Drone Enhances Capability of Killaloo Coast Guard Unit. Pat, do you want to yeah, give us a uh, thing there? Yeah, it's, it's on page six there of the Clare Channel. Dan Danaher has the, the article. Yeah. Um, Killaloo Coast Guard has greatly enhanced its search capability after becoming an approved drone unit. Two volunteers have been fully trained on how to use a drone during search and this footage can be live-streamed back for viewing in the Coast Guard communications vehicle, which was obtained last year. Images from the drone can be also sent back to Valencia Coast Guard um, Coordination Centre, which, which is significant in terms of directing Rescue 115 to yeah. r- precise locations if a casualty is, de- is detected. It's, <coughs> Pat, it's, yeah, it's a it's, good idea. Oh, it's a great yeah, idea. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Marvellous, yeah. 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 Um, I, I just see there as well that um, seven new volunteers uh, have joined, or recruits have joined Killaloo Coast Guard, and there's now a total membership of 22. And yeah. I said, uh, carrying out great work. Is that voluntary, Luke? Absolutely, absolutely. Do they get called out much, I wonder? Oh, yeah. They do. Yeah, absolutely. I certainly remember back in the summer, there was quite a few. Uh, in a nice hot summer, yeah. you'd expect a lot it's of the only inland coast, 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 coast Guard, Guard is that right? in, in yeah. the country. Yeah. No there's no yeah. one in Loch Nay or no. any no. of the other no. lakes. That's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And we wish as man says, uh, we wish them the very best, but hope that uh, they're not very busy. Yes. Be, yeah. uh, Do any of you have a drone? That could no. be a, a matter discussed at another time, John. <laughs> uh, I said, I, I have access to one. Have you? We, we, we <laughs> you need to be very careful when people start talking about drones uh, and how they're used. But we'll say this is for search and rescue capabilities. Yeah. So, are, are uh, there laws um, yes. about drones? Oh, yeah, they usage? have to be licensed and regulated. You have to, if yeah. your drone's over a certain weight, you have to have it licensed oh, and, and regu- regulated. So, now, just uh, beside that article, John, um, on page six of the Champion, Clare County Council has been requested to compile a comprehensive list of all grants available to community organisations during the year 22 and forward a copy to the secretaries of these organisations. That request was made by Councillor PJ Ryan at a recent authority meeting where he pointed out numerous people had told him they weren't aware there were grants for certain works after the closing date had lapsed. And, yeah. John, you wanted to reference... A small, it's a small article by Owen Ryan and the Champion. And okay, call for organisations to tap into 278,000 uh, euro fund. Now, it, uh, any kind of a local group that, uh, you know, is serving the community, providing a service, <coughs> needing a, a handout, as we uh, yeah. use the expression, okay, or a leg up. Yeah. There's a closing date for application, Friday, February the 25th, and the online form can be viewed under the Community Enhancement Programme Grant section yeah. at www.clarecoco.ie. Yeah. So, you know, if you're involved with a, a, a small or a large local community, please be aware that there is money there to help you yeah. run the, your organisation, run the service, whatever it is you're yeah. doing. It's not a lot, 278,000, but it will go, it'll do something. But yeah. I, I'd, I'd like to agree with Councillor Burke because you easily miss that. Oh. Yeah. Um, and, and the closing dates 
come around very quickly. There's just another one that people would yeah. miss, which is advertised in the form of an advertisement on under public notices on page 19. It's the there's a, several notices about traffic and all the rest, yeah. but this one is called Creative Ireland Project Awards 2022, and it's focusing again on communities. Um, there's awards of between 500 and 2,000, so not a lot of money, but for a little project, it could get off the ground. Yeah. Uh, it's about well-being of communities, cultural heritage and traditions, a sense of place is another theme, heritage, which may include historical exploration, STEAM, which is science, technology, engineering, arts and mathematics, so you could do anything under that heading, and climate change. So you could do a lovely little project there if there's a community yeah. group, uh, uh, like, for example, the Tomb Grainy Development Association, if they wanted to do a, some sort of climate report or something and commission a report, they could apply for that. So we'd mm. promote, we'd support Councillor Burke in getting these messages out, and we've done our best here now to get two of these things yes. on the air yeah. and on people's agendas. And, oh. and, and in case you miss, you miss out and you don't hear about this until the day, after the closing date, do please check with the website. There may be other, there are other uh, little funds available as well. Mm. So yeah, okay, we will move on to page nine of the champion and uh, give given recent events, uh, events and um, the tragedy that occurred uh, up in awfully in uh, the last number of weeks in relation to Ashleen Murphy. I see uh, Dan Danner has an article: uh, free self defence classes for women offered in Killaloo. The Irish Taekwondo uh, Academy has started providing free self-defence classes for women only in Killaloo amid increased fear being expressed by mothers after the recent death of primary school teacher Ashley Murphy. And Smith O'Brien's GA and Camogie Club are hosting the classes in their new AstroTurf with no fee Friday nights at 8pm for another five weeks. So. And, and and they seem to be very popular, Luke, yeah. because there were more than 40 women at the first class, okay. including a few women who travelled from Nina. So it just goes to show you that there is a sense of... Um, um, need or or or, or uh, worry out there, so it's good to see it. And I I, I know Damien Madden. He's he he provides taekwondo lessons uh, here in Scarif Rugby Club yes. to youngsters, yes. um, and uh, it's a very popular sp uh, sport. Would you say not sport but activity? It is yeah, yeah. activity. Okay. Yeah. It, it it's sad that in a way it has to yes. be, be that way, but that's a societal issue which we won't talk about uh, on, on media issues today but uh we'll move on also down to page nine because uh my heading for this could be water water everywhere <laughs> uh, a labor of love charts all of the holy wells in county Clare. <laughs> now john well now we, 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 i suppose we'll, we'll have to admit we have a there, there's a, a there's a vested interest in yeah. this article but, uh, i mean a labor of love has resulted in hundreds of Clare's holy wells being documented and surveyed with their details to be made available online. That's the opening of Fiona McGarry's uh, little article on the holy wells of County Clare. So we're not going to let Luke go across the county at all. We're going to pick our favourite one, which is located <laughs> in... Uh, outside Tungreni in the townland of Cool Callaghy Cal Cal the townland Callaghy yeah. now tell us it's the holy well in front of your house that's right St. Coolan's yeah. holy well St. Coolan's what, uh, what do you know about it? 
Well, we know a fair bit, and and for people who need to find out, this website is very good. It gives a lot of the yeah. information. Lovely photographs. Uh, it, it's it's a very ancient site, um, as most wells were. Um, these were often pre-Christian sites. Yes, the little house, which is a limestone structure was built in 1803 according to the plaque over the door and it was built by the Bradys who were the local landlords uh, uh, and you know asking around uh, people it's not just a holy well in terms of devotions and all of that of which there is none of that now anymore but the Bradys Bradys were uh, non-Catholic oh exactly so how do it you associate the, the, the Bradys wanted wanted to keep everybody happy and it was a good way of showing them that they were they were around they were the big men yeah. and and, and we were looking after ye tenants. Uh, and I, th I think probably the Bradys didn't care too much about religion, to be honest with you. Mm. But uh, local people used to get that as their water supply. Really? So it Yes, it wasn't just for um, ecclesiastical purposes, or at least that's what I've been told. Well, have you tried it? Have you boiled oh, water? I, 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 I haven't. It's supposed to be very good for the eyes, John. That's that's very frequently associated with holy wells, yeah. isn't it? The yeah. eye, yeah, mm. yeah. So sorry, anyway. And and of course, there's all the. Uh, I know um, it's Michael Houlihan and uh, Tony Kirby. I know Michael. Michael did a bit of work with us uh, in the MA Local History in the university, yeah. and he's published a book on the holy wells of County Clare. This is a bit of an add-on. This is the survey, mm. the database, I suppose you'd call it. And uh, but the book details all, and there's other books that have dealt. Like for example, there's a lot of mythology around it. If sometimes in trying to explain why a holy well dried up, because if you go and look at some of the wells, you'll see it's just a green patch in a field and there's a bit of thorny wire around it. The well has vanished. Mm. Now, in explaining that, it's often the case that, oh, a woman, a traveling woman usually washed her clothes in it and that spoiled it. That spoiled the magic and it vanished. We could blame global warming for it now. Luke, <laughs> would you believe up in a place called Ogla? Uh, outside Tulsk in Roscommon is uh, where Etna and Fidelma, the two princesses of the King of Connacht from Rathcrohan, okay, uh, they were baptized at Ogla. Now the early texts tell us this, okay, how how true it is. Uh, well, you have to leave that. But uh, at the well, there is a stone, and I gather this is not terribly unusual. The imprint of the saints. Of St. Patrick, so St. Patrick did the actual uh, uh, baptizing. baptizing, and the imprint is there. And of course, there is a, a stone, yeah. fine big stone, the width of the table, and has two lovely little groves. Mm. Groves. Mm -hmm. Now, I was, I've often thought, was that, was that well, uh, a pagan uh, ritual site? Okay, and likely. Likely, in the same way as that Bridget, our new, our new, our second patron saint, in whose day we will mark, officially, mm. um, was a pre-Christian god, a goddess. Yes, mm. uh, and 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 Christianity appropriate. That I mean that is why Christianity was such a successful religion. It appropriated yeah. existing religions. Uh, I suppose we could say, David, if you want to read about your well and the other two hundred and thirty-six yeah. of them. Uh, Zoom, you can, if you send a, an email to holywells at g, sorry, claireholywells Claire at gmail.com and you'll be sent a Zoom link for the launch on St. Bridget's Day, Tuesday, February 1st at 7 p.m. Well, uh, look, I have to, Michael Hulham this morning on, 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 on uh, Claire FM. Yeah. Maybe we shouldn't mention Claire FM, but anyway, we're going to do it. And uh, he, he's, um, 
he's going to be on Sunday evening at six o'clock, and there's a, there's a, a absolutely great program. And um, I'll clarify. I, 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 I heard it this morning, some of it, and um, I, I'd say I'd love to. I will. I intend this and so on. What will it be about? On, on it's all about the whales and, oh, the well. and, and, and 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 Quinn and 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 Scotland Island and all that. And does he have David's well? Well, he was. Impro- he was. He has a moral. Yeah, he has moral. There's two hundred thirty-seven holy whales in County Clare. Yeah. And he's a moral. He's a moral. So if he doesn't deal with mine, I'll be upset. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, you'll, you'll, we'll just have to get him onto SBCR, and he can talk about it. Right. Listen, page, page thirteen in the champion. Just very, very quick, quick, quick mention. There's a picture there of Susan McMahon, who together with Martin Butler runs the Cobblers Rest in Budike, and she has a lovely smile on her face, and she's quite well, uh, happy to see uh, customers coming back uh, to the pub as well. Three East Clare secondary schools are amongst fourteen venues taking part in a groundbreaking initiative that harnesses technology to provide support for education and well-being. St Anne's, uh, that, which is Killaloo, Scarf Community College and St Joseph's in Tulla have partnered with Clare Youth Service on the launch of the Digital Youth Information Access Project. And you can read more about that on page 13 of The Champion. John, you wanted to mention to me about Clooney. Clooney. Yes. What did I want to say? You wanted to tell me that uh, they're advertising, the school are advertising. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, interesting. Do you know how, for years, the public has, has worried about the non-use of school buildings, which are, are public buildings, like the non-use of them outside of school hours. Well, there's an ad in... It's, a, it's in all the papers. It's actually. in all yeah, the papers. It's in all the yeah. papers, yeah. Yeah, and essentially what it is, uh, there's a, it's a request to the Board of Management to permit the use of the certain part of the buildings off school time, outside the school hour, from four o'clock, uh, I think, I think from whatever. And they tend to provide uh, preschool services and it'll be run by an, an independent external third party operator. What do you think? Yeah, it makes perfect sense to me. Doesn't it, Luke? Yeah, it does. Yeah. It does. I mean, said, uh, uh, you know, any facility gets use of, it can be used in yeah. the morning, can be used in the evening. Pat, uh, I'm going to give the second last word to myself and I've given you the very very last <laughs> word uh, we, we didn't we've alluded to it before Fiona McGarry had an article on page one of the champion and page two more than 30 people attended an online meeting last week to voice opposition to plans for mineral prospecting in East Clare and uh, Co- Councillor Pat Hayes uh, was uh, uh, at that meeting as well yeah. and sort of expressed his uh, disappointment at the fact that uh, the councillors weren't notified about you know the closing date for applications for you know the uh, opinions we say before the granting of the license and said that they've, they've made making attempts with, with the council that all future notifications of that type of nature will be actually issued to the councillors so that they will be aware so that's uh, important to note Pat uh, sporting issue to finish uh, yeah, a, 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 a Clare lady rugby yeah, yeah, player yeah, there's, a, there's a full page here in the living section of the, uh, the Clare champion and it's Maeve um, O'Leary rugby Rugby career is an, an upward call. I think it's important for any young person to play as many sports as long as you can, you can because they complement each other. And it's um, there's a, a lovely half page there. Dave um, O'Leary, she plays uh, rugby for Ireland, and um, ambitious young star and inspiration to young club mates who cheered her on on her Ireland debut. She played against um, her first game for Ireland against the USA there back and the Where is she from, Pat? She's from Newmarket. Bel- Belnair, Kildo. Oh, sorry, Belnair, sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Indeed, uh, indeed, indeed she is. And listen, we wish her the very, very best to look. And, uh, the first of many uh, appearances in the green short for her. Yeah, she's, right. only, she's only 21, so it's probably spent yeah. time. Her, uh, father, her father was coaching Scarif RFC men's team for years. His name is Declan. 
yeah. Declan O'Leary. Oh, yeah. There you go. And her yeah. brother actually plays played with Connacht, and and I think he plays with, uh, the most of a connection to the USA because uh, he he he's playing with the USA national team. Fair yeah. enough. Right, listen, we're out of time once again. I'm trying to keep you under control, John S. You did well. I I don't <laughs> think I did that great. I have Jim given out to me, John S. Many thanks, uh, Pat. Uh, many thanks, thanks, David. Thanks, thanks Luke. Luke. No bother. And Pat, what are we fin- oh, finishing up with? We must finish up with um, one of the one of the great entertainers of the last forty or fifty years, I suppose, Neil Diamond, who was eighty on eighty one on Monday last, January twenty fourth, and uh, with a beautiful noise. A beautiful noise to finish up. Nineteen seventy six. Okay, that's it for uh, us this week. Back uh, same time, same bat channel, two o'clock next Sunday. Jim will be back in the chair. Good afternoon. <laughs>